0: This last year, this last week, I made what may be my last opportunity for an executive decision. I have hereby did in future, from today, we will not light the pink candle on the third Sunday of Advent. Many of you look mystified. The long tradition of the Advent wreath has been to light the pink candle on the third Sunday of Advent because the gospel reading in the Book of Common Prayer lectionary was the reading for the Annunciation, the message of Gabriel to Mary about the birth of Jesus. Father Bill gets to talk about that next week. When we move to the three-year lectionary, uh, the readings were shifted so that the Annunciation is now pushed to the fourth Sunday of Advent. But yet, very often, we carry on lighting the pink candle on the third Sunday of Advent, which has no connection to the gospel reading that we are being given. So once again, Trinity Cathedral is in the radical forefront (laughs) of change. Change. And my Anglo-Catholic heart quakes at the realization of such a radical departure from tradition. We've been looking over these last weeks at the what I've called the transgenerational dream of the prophet Isaiah. It's a vision for the coming of the kingdom of God. In the last two weeks, we've been hearing from Isaiah dreaming within the context of the Assyrian siege of Jerusalem in 715 BC. Today, we hear the voice of Isaiah jumping to chapter 35 and between Chapters 11 and 35, there is something like 200 years. How can that be? Well, scholars now are pretty certain that there are three Isaiahs. And today we're listening to the voice of the second Isaiah, who is picking up the threads of the transgenerational vision. Remember, I've defined it as transgenerational because in each generation, that vision is as real and as true as it has ever been. And because we're 200 years later, we're in the midst of a different crisis, and the voice of the second Isaiah picks up the threads of the vision in the context of Jerusalem once again being under siege, but this time by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And where the Assyrians had failed, the Babylonians succeeded, and they sacked Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took the king, the priesthood, and the aristocracy into exile in Babylon. And the second Isaiah picks up the thread of the vision in the words... And the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like a crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy." This vision is a word out of place. It runs contrary to the events that are surrounding the prophet as he speaks these words. And there's something about the coming of the kingdom that's like that. It is always a word, seemingly out of place. As we continue to be given Matthew's gospel for our gospel reading, today we jump several verses as well, from verse, four to verse from chapter four to chapter 11. And so the story has moved on from last week when we were introduced to John the Baptist. Remember John has a dual identity he is in one sense at the ordinary sense he is the cousin of Jesus and yet in the transgenerational vision he is Elijah the forerunner come to announce the arrival of the Messiah and John at this stage is in prison And he's obviously feeling very isolated from the events that are going on in the world around him. And not only isolated, he is very disturbed, if not disillusioned, by what he hears. And he sends his disciples to Jesus with a very bold question. Are you the one or do we have to wait for another you see jesus had not been behaving in a way that seemed to confirm for john his expectations of the coming of the kingdom and jesus says to john's disciples go and tell john go and tell him not how dare you speak to me like that but go and tell him what you see and what you hear that the eyes of the blind are opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped the lepers are healed and people are given a good word and at the end of that he has this sentence about and let no one take offense at me and in a way it's a rebuke to john and it's a rebuke that comes down to us as well taking offense You see, because Jesus explains to the crowds that although John is the greatest of human beings, he is least compared to those in the kingdom, and what I think Jesus means here is that John and his expectations are conditioned before the arrival of the kingdom, whereas ours are conditioned before by the fact that since jesus we are in the kingdom and the expectations for the coming and the signs of its arrival are not necessarily in sync when i rose at 5:30 yesterday morning to put some words to the screen for speaking with you this morning As I was making coffee, I turned the radio on and I heard, I heard the review of the shopping trends this Christmas. I heard about the end of year pledge drive for NPR, encouraging me to make use of the tax deduction. For giving to public radio, because of course I do require compensation for my generosity. And I heard more dreadful news from Syria. It's not that the civil war, whose brutality is bad enough, but now the weather conspires against these poorly clothed and poorly housed refugees. And everywhere I look and everything I hear makes me want to cry out with John, God, what do you think you are doing? How can we trust ourselves to the coming of the kingdom when everywhere we look we see pain and suffering? And I want to take offence at Jesus. In drawing from T. S. Eliot's poem "Little Coca," which I've made mention of the last couple of weeks, we are continually reminded by Eliot. That the things that we expect and maybe the things that we hope for will often be misdirected. I look back on my life and I can see so many of my expectations have come to nothing and I have been profoundly disappointed, if not at times disillusioned. And yet I also see if I look more carefully. That often those things that I have longed for, that are denied me, are replaced by something that I could not have imagined for myself. The Holy Spirit provides opportunities that I could not have dreamt for. and which provide me with so much more richness than I could ever have imagined left to my own dreaming. And part of my disillusionment very often is that my time frame is too short. I want to see the signs of the kingdom and I want to see them now. they are still always in the process of emerging. And I want to offer you a distinction this morning between expectation and hope. We get them confused. We often think that they are the same. Like you... Most of my expectations are not fulfilled. And they are the short-term desires that are moving from day to day. And at that level of the journey, the road is a bumpy one. And yet the road is leading further than I can see. And beyond what I can see is where my hope is directing me. Hope is the long-term direction of travel, and it's like a compass setting. It points in a direction, and we follow it. And at the day-to-day level of expectations, what we long for is that everything will turn out to be all right in the end. And often things are not all right in the end. And yet, in the long-term direction of hope, things will be all right in the end. And in our generation, in this bit, Of the transgenerational vision, we have a part to play. How do we keep oriented in the direction of travelling into hope? We have faith. And as the letter to the Hebrews tells us, faith is the realization of things unseen. We believe in developments and outcomes which we can't yet imagine. And secondly, we have dogged perseverance, born out of a sense of loss and grief. Hope is not my optimistic projection. Hope is not feeling positive about something. Hope emerges from our human experience of loss, of disappointment, of disillusionment. And out of that experience we are strengthened to pick ourselves up and to go on and to trust and hope even more because the alternative is to die. And our hoping is fueled by a longing that emerges from our losses in life. And Courageously, we act in the present time by performing acts of love and by taking steps in solidarity with others, one act and one step at a time. Isaiah's vision is of the Messiah going against the grain of reasonable expectation it's a word out of place and Jesus performed the signs of the kingdom and these failed to realize John's Hebrew messianic desire for liberation from oppression and as Jesus tells the crowd great though John is his expectations precede the coming of the kingdom We are the baptized, members of the community of Christ, and we are they who speak the word out of place in our own time, and we act against the grain of social expediency. And one of the early figures of the anti-slavery movement was a woman named Sojourner Truth, a brilliant and indomitable slave woman who could neither read nor write, but who was passionate about ending slavery and the second-class treatment of women. And at the end of one of her anti-slavery talks in Ohio, a man came up to her and said, Old woman, do you think that your talk about slavery does any good? Do you suppose people care what you say? Why, I don't care any more for your talk than I do for the bite of a flea. And Sojourner Truth says to him, Perhaps not, but Lord willing, I will keep you scratching. (laughs) And as we realize the transgenerational vision of Isaiah in our own time and place, our job is through agitation, through email, through phone calls, and through the ballot box to keep the system scratching. In Advent, our hope is encouraged by taking our part in the coming of God's kingdom. And along with Sojourner Truth, a century later, the theologian Paul Tillich wrote that for which we long already conditions who we have become. That for which we long already conditions who we have become. And in the context of hope, the psychologist Alice Miller wrote, we are already who we have been waiting for. We are already who we think we're waiting for. And T.S. Eliot reminds us continually that although the human condition is to project our expectations and our hopes onto objects that are misdirected, the hoping and the loving come to ultimate fruition in the faithfulness of the waiting. Amen.